Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Hello, so we're back for our 99th pod, one more before the big 100. It's myself and Stag again, no Tom, but he's on his way back from Australia now, so we'll be back with a bang for the big 100, which we're very much looking forward to. That also answers FPL guest stars question. Many other listeners who are missing him and a little bit bored of myself and Stag. So, uh, Stag, dude... His dude is El Duderino. How are you? Yeah, the, the all those questions really peed on my rug. I had, a, I gotta say, Nick. <laughs> but we're of course looking forward to having uh, Tom back and taking up the reins for uh, Numero One Hundred. It'll be exciting to have him back. But first of all, we've got to dissect this game week and look ahead to the blank game week twenty-eight. So just to say who we are, uh, we are who got the assist. You will find us on Twitter at wgta underscore fpl. You'll get Nick here at wgta underscore nick. You'll get me fpl stag at fpl stag and. New to this area of the show, we have now got an Instagram, which you will find at WGTA full stop FPL. So if you're hip enough to be on there, check us out there too. Tom will be managing that uh, from his return. You can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, or wherever you get your pods. So Nicholas, what is the focus of our pod this week? So this week, we're going to be revisiting the five-week plan, which was sort of our original plan for last week's pod. And we're also going to be looking again at the, uh, the key teams over the next five weeks with um, either you've got your free hit or your no free hit or you've got your wild card, no wild card. We'll sort of try and assess all those sort of different scenarios uh, that will exist. So um, last pod, um, we talked in depth about Wolves and Southampton. So if you haven't listened to that yet, um, give it a listen, especially if you're keen on those teams. But we'll be covering a few other teams in more detail on this pod. Yeah, pretty much absolutely everything we said about Wolves and Hampton um, actually stands the test of time after a weekend having passed. But that said, let's get moving on with the game week reviews and I'll start. So look, 51 points um, all in. This is provisional given that the Liverpool game has only just finished at time of recording. Uh, Alex McCarthy in goals with seven, Trent with 10, Mo Salah not captained with seven, Dominic Calvert-Lewin with that six-pointer, and then Raul Jimenez, who I brought in on a transfer, and captained, who got 10 points in the end, unfortunately picking up a yellow card. So just 10 points for his troubles there. Um, Salah's poxy of pox, oh my God. The poxiest goal ever uh, means that at least those captainers have uh, caught up with me to some extent. I kind of feel like uh, I am the walrus this season, Nick. It's just <laughs> everything I do, it just doesn't quite go right. Like This is the second or third time that a Salah kind of extremely poxy haul has come through. Uh, thinking back to the Watford game a few weeks back as well, where I captained Mane and he got 
I think nothing and Salah ended up with a goal and assist from nowhere kind of feels like that again so 51 points is effectively treading water I think uh, statistically it's a green arrow but in truth it means nothing 818k um, the frustration mounts uh, yeah, so um, it was the same for me, actually. I've ended up on the same score, 51 points here, but slightly different route to uh, getting those points. It was looking um, particularly poor, actually, for me. I was looking at about 33 points um, at half-time in that Liverpool game. But, um, yeah, that, I was quite lucky with that Salah goal and got the Robertson assist as well. Um, so, important goal for me, even though it was, it was a very, very um, poor goalkeeping there to, to allow that in. But um, other players, I guess, that returned for me was um, Anthony Martial, who I brought in um, as a song replacement, getting me eight points. And uh, Dominic Calvert-Lewins, continuing his um, scoring run, uh, picking up six points for me. But yeah, not, not the best of game weeks, to be honest, um, with that Aguero penalty miss and and Rico uh, not playing Matt Target came off the bench for one point, so I ended up with a double Aston Villa. Why do I still have double Aston Villa playing my team? I don't know. Two points from Target and uh, Grealish, and um, I had Mason Greenwood, but he was um, rooted to the bench with eight points, unfortunately. So, yeah, 51 points looks like um, a red arrow for me, unfortunately, this week. Um, but yeah, we, we move on. Um, so, yeah, as we said, focus is going to be the five-week plan um, in terms of what we're doing for the next five weeks, how we're kind of navigating the blanks, um, potential doubles, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, Stag, what's, what's your plan then? So, last week when we tried to discuss this, and unfortunately the Gremlins got the better of us, and apologies again for the delayed pod and slight sound issues in last week's pod. There was a, a lot of factors came into it. But, look... Um, I used my two transfers, free transfers this week to uh, get a timely uh, double Liverpool defence. I brought in Virgil van Dijk as well for him to concede two goals for the first time in I don't know how long uh, to couple up with Salah. And I'm going to stick with that. I'm going to stick with that double Liverpool defence as we press through the next few fixtures. Weeks will come where Mane and Salah will have proved the better option, but I'm just accepting this and I feel like it's the slightly more sword pick and I'm going to continue with it and that's fine. Uh, I'm already quite well set for this coming blank game week. I have no issue. I actually have players to spare. So I may roll my transfers um, just in case I was set up for this. Still a potential double game between nine, although the chances of it seem to be kind of dissipating with every passing day. It's just getting so close to it now that I kind of feel like that game between nine won't happen anymore. But... Overall, look, at my rank, it, it's time to attack. Like, I think I need to risk finishing outside the top 1 million in a bid to break into the top 100k. And I'm feeling that more and more as everything continues to go more and more in wrong for me. So two players who are firmly on my radar are both Aubameyang and Nicola Pepe, or at minimum, Saka from Arsenal. Now, of course, that'll be at the other side of Arsenal's blank game week, but their their fixtures are okay, things are looking okay, and they're interesting players with low ownership. Uh, the Liverpool triple, as I said, will stay. Vardy, Jamie Vardy has his final chance in the blank against Norwich. He went extremely close versus City. Leicester looked generally a little bit better, and I just I do feel like this drought has to end soon. And you look, we'll give him his chance. He has Villa after that as well. Two good fixtures. I just find it's hard to, if I've kept Fate this long, it's going to be hard to let go of him. I will be using the free hit in Gaming 31. I really don't know how I could navigate that given there are five or six blanks expected. Um, like if I was to start making transfers now, otherwise I'd have to really shortchange myself in a bid to try and cover myself for a 
double game or a blank game week that we really don't know enough about. And then really, I guess where things are more manifest from my side is that, look, I have 3.5 million in the bank currently, and that's enough to turn a player. I have three dud midfielders really in Cantwell, Hayden, and Adelaide Kure. And I could really turn them into somebody. Um, Son would have been the natural stretch before he picked up his injury. Now it's the likes of your pal, Tony Martial, or perhaps uh, the portmanteau, Bernandez. Uh, they're both looking like pretty decent picks uh, Bernandes especially with a particularly eye-catching performance for United against Watford at the weekend and maybe a good zag is the aforementioned Nicola Pepe his fixtures are much better than the United pair Um, United are okay they have at least in terms of results done quite well against the top six but in terms of FPL potential not so much uh, I'm overall though I'm living week by week Nick I feel like I need to kind of zag while everyone else zigs if I'm going to try and get back and having long laid out plans that I stick to won't necessarily bring me to that yeah I think for me it's just I, I, we talked about it last time and then then Son's injury sort of changed everything for me I kind of had a plan in place and it was just it was just ru- ruined basically by one injury and now I'm looking at my team and it, it's it's not in good shape at all for this um this blank game week with game week 29 what with two Aston Villa players as well stinking out the team as well as the, the two Manchester City players and the, the likes of um Rico not playing this game week as well is also a, a little bit of a blow to the team so it's quite a, quite a few things that I now need to sort out with this team and uh, you know Martial delivered the goods in terms of the Son replacement and he'll he'll stay in the team for a while and I think he's um, good for that Manchester United cover though as you mentioned Fernandez is, is another option in that team however as I said yeah plenty of um, issues with the team um, and I think um, the, the main person really that I want to get in at least this game week um, will be Jimenez um, for Aguero. I don't have any walls cover at all at the moment. Um, and that will free up plenty of cash as well. Um, yeah, I think Jimenez is kind of like, he's like a good rug, isn't he? I think he really tied a team together, really tied a room together. So I quite like him as an option, definitely. And he, he is my favourite Wolves um, player still. And I think we'll talk about Wolves a little bit more in the questions later. But um, also a Leicester player. I feel like another Leicester player could easily come into the team. So at the moment, I've still got Soyuncu. But I think like, the likes of Hans, um, Harvey Barnes could come in, um, as I don't really want James Madison. Though um, we'll talk about Leicester as well and their formation, because of, of course he didn't start this game, which causes a little bit of a challenge. And I said the likes of Target, uh, Rico, really need to go. So there's a few defenders that have been eyeing up, uh, potentially Bolly or Sice or even Doherty, considering the amount of cash I've got in the uh, in the bank at the moment. But that would be probably for game week 29, just because of the, the Spurs match. Um, but also looking at the uh, the Chelsea players as well, or or an Arsenal player as you mentioned. And I think Chelsea, I think um, really interesting team that we we are going to talk about a little bit more. And um, I quite like the idea of um, a Reese James punt actually um, for Chelsea's run of fixtures that are coming up. So I think someone like James could come in defence maybe, and then maybe um, Aubameyang could come in. I feel like he he is a really a really key player right now. And listening to Gary Neville's analysis on him um, early in the evening before the uh, Liverpool game, and he really sold him to me actually as a player. And and it's um, yeah, even though he's sort of shuttled out onto the wing, he's he's really making that position his own and uh, delivering some fantastic performances right now. Yeah, absolutely. Like there are a lot of good options to have, but I think for me anyway, it's just it's it's got to be take your time with these plans. Like this isn't the part of the season where you know double game week plans can really start to come together, and it's there's a few more weeks isn't there to go before we will know exactly what's going to happen. For example, with blank game week thirty one, maybe even the scheduling of the later double game weeks that's a little bit up in the air. So like. 
what teams do you think we should be targeting though Nick as you said like you mentioned how we covered Wolves and Southampton in depth last week on the pod and look, there's great points to be got out of that and maybe a player you mentioned in that chat there was Harvey Barnes and that Leicester team we've got quite a few questions about them considering they play Norwich away Villa at home Watford away Brighton at home and Everton away you've got really four relegation strugglers right there straight up for Leicester a team who are still in the top four easy to forget considering that their form has kind of dipped in recent weeks so a question from FPL DC was asking about bringing in Vardy on a hit uh, FPL Dempsey was asking about the triple Leicester is that brave or stupid and FPL Nicotelli was asking about the best of the Leicester midfielders it's Madison Perez and Barnes Nick, do you have any thoughts on those Leicester players and what maybe people should be thinking about doing with them? So, yeah, I mean, if, if we sort of talk about Leicester, it's... Uh, so basically, yeah, it, it was a bit of a, a different formation that we saw for them in, in that last game against Manchester City. It was sort of the injuries forced uh, Brendan Rodgers' hand a little bit to a tactical switch of 3-5-2. Um, this was mainly because all three of their um, available defensive midfielders were injured or out of the game. And that was um, Mendy, uh, NDD and uh, Tudory as well. So in came um, Dennis Pratt to play alongside uh, Madison and Tielemans. Um, we saw Fuchs come in and he um, slotted into a back three and then we saw Iheanacho uh, play in the front two with uh, with uh, Vardy. And this meant that unfortunately um, two picks that we called out um, last week as possible good options um, Ad- uh, not Adama Troy, that's another player we picked out that didn't play. Um, Perez, Iosi I Perez and Harvey Barnes um, both missed out um, this this week. So uh, yeah, it was, it was a bit of a, a bit of a disaster for people like well, not really a disaster. They bring him in, but um, you know, a bit tough for people like me that were eyeing up Harvey Barnes as sort of the transfer for this week. So now it's a bit of a doubt as to whether he's actually going to start. But I feel like um, with Norwich up next, we could, I'm pretty sure that Rogers is probably going to revert back to that four three three. So he's going to want to exploit Norwich's defensive weakness as much as possible with his wide attacking form forwards. You know, playing against the likes of Manchester City, I can understand why he sort of set up a, def- a more defensive setup with the with the three five two but um I would say I would say it's probably best to wait in, if you are bringing in one of these sort of Leicester midfielders to wait until the Friday night fixture because um uh, you know or at least up until the deadline just because we potentially might have some more pertinent information as as we head towards um the Friday night deadline even might be some early team leaks potentially as well. So that's that's what I'm seeing with sort of the midfielders but in in terms of the uh, the defence, actually, before we get on to some of the questions, uh, the defence, I quite like the likes of um, Pereira, actually, as, as a six million um, defensive option. He's, he's quite expensive, but um, I actually think he, he's a really good pick as um, Leicester cover. I don't, I don't know what you think about the, uh, the defence. See, the thing is, I think, with the Leicester defence is that I still, in spite of talking about him for weeks upon weeks back earlier, I still have Calgar Sounds in my team. And so the idea of doubling up on that Leicester defence, which, like, okay, sure, hasn't been bad, but certainly hasn't been awe-inspiring, it's a hard thing for me to do. And I think that kind of almost, like permeates my thoughts on their whole side I still have Sion Sue and I still have Jamie Vardy as well and like I'm obviously going to keep them now given the fixtures that they have coming but at the same time I do understand that like for Leicester to do well they need to reverse an awful lot of the stats and especially the performances that we've been seeing and like holding these players and expecting something from them is much more about faith and expectation than it is about anything based in statistics or what my eyes have actually seen 
watching them. Now, they did, as you say, have a change of formation at the weekend, and that won't continue because Hamza Chowdhury will be back from suspension for their next game at least, so they will have a defensive midfielder available again. But I think more interestingly about that game was that they were so they were much more up for it. They looked far less ponderous than they have in other weeks, and maybe that was just the chance to be able to revert to their old counter-attack game was helpful, I don't know, but certainly this was a Leicester team that had more conviction. But maybe to answer Nicotelli's question about the midfielders, like James Madison is extremely off form at the moment. And it's, it's weird to see how kind of off he's ended up going. Uh, Perez, like sure. Like he always has a good end of season, but we haven't seen enough. And the one thing about Harvey Barnes is that he is quite cheap and he is like, very explosive and kind of gets things going like in terms of a goal threat he's particularly good from that midfield um in the last few game weeks like sure madison has actually outshot him but it's harvey barnes is getting the shots in the box no leicester players had more shots in the box in the last eight game weeks than harvey barnes is 10 a pretty good option at six million i think if i was to look at any leicester player to bring in it would be harvey barnes i would think about having a defender but i don't see why you wouldn't have sayonsu for example but to stretch to my old friend ricardo Pereira. Um, that may be a bridge too far for me, Nick. Yes, yeah, so, see, this is the thing. I have been weighing up these sort of cheaper midfielders, but I'm I'm considering, you know, holding the likes of Grealish and just upgrading one of my four million dud defenders to a premium defender. And that's why I'm looking at, you know, with the money that Agrero Jimenez gives me, rather than doing some sort of straight swap for Grealish to Harvey Barnes or something like that. Just go, you know, I've got I've got loads of money off the back of that other transfer, and there's no premium midfielders that really work for my team either right now. So, you know, a, a four million target to Pereira looks pretty good. And you know, looking at Pereira's stats, for instance, last four game weeks he's been top for goal attempts amongst defenders with eight. Uh, five of those have been inside the box. He's also nicked a goal for his troubles. He's got three goals over the course of the season, two assists, which is pretty reasonable for defenders. And last season he actually clocked up. Um, an impressive eight assists as well. So he's definitely got that attacking and, and creative threat. And, and if they do play a 3-5-2, I don't think they will, but that will um, afford uh, Pereira plenty of chances to uh, push forward and try and whip some whip some more crosses in. I mean, both him and Chill were up there in seventh and eighth uh, for chances created over the course of the season with 25 and 24. And as we know, they're playing up Norwich next. So Norwich are 19th for goal scored and 19th for goals conceded. So you have to fancy... Um, uh, Leicester's chances in this game in particular. That's why I'm quite strongly considering him a Leicester player. But yeah, in terms of Nicotelli's question, as I said, Barnes would be the one that I would probably go for out of all the midfielders, even though he didn't start. So I think Madison, he has been very unlucky this season, to be honest. I mean, he's overall, he's fourth for chances to create for 67. It's just, just a five assists to his name and just um, not a single one since... Um, since game week 16 and it's just it's his return only one return overall since game week 16 which is just really poor uh form to be honest um in terms of Dempsey's question I don't think triple Leicester is, is stupid at all I think it's uh, very very viable with this fixture run that they've got Norwich Villa Watford Brighton up next you know that's, that's fantastic so why not triple up I've already got Soyuncu but um I'm certainly thinking that doubling up as I said um in terms of Avardi on a hit though which was DC's question I do find it hard-pressed to recommend a player on a hit who hasn't scored um, in such a long time. I mean, he had the perfect chance to put the goal in the net against City and hit the post. And I do feel like that, you know, Vardy would have always put those chances away. Classic Vardy would just put them away. And I, I do wonder if that goal drought is starting to affect his confidence a little bit. But we know he's still still somehow the top-scoring forward in the game, which is just indicative of how ridiculous his form was earlier on in the season. And, and a game against Norwich, you know, you would fancy him to 
sort of you know recoveries forming and get a couple of goals perhaps but as I said on a hit I'm not too sure um, I think there's probably better options out there still um, but you know with those fixtures you, you do have to fancy him even though he's been on such a poor scoring run yeah, I know. And I think that's, look, definitely often we get the questions of, you know, hold or sell. And I think if you had Vardy, I'd be saying hold. Um, but if you don't have him, I'm not sure if I'd be saying to buy him just either given his form. But as you say, look, the, the, the sliding doors moment was there against City with that unbelievable chance that he um, ended up fluffing and so unlike him to fluff that one. But you do think that one of those chances will present itself against that relatively sluggish Norwich defence as well. They don't exactly pack the defence either, um, like most teams would um, who are in the relegation struggle. And often that's been their undoing at times. But maybe speaking of the complete opposite of Norwich is a team with good fixtures as well, Newcastle United. Home to Burnley, away to Hampton, home to Sheffield United, home to Aston Villa and away to Bournemouth in the next five. No blank. Five goals since game week 20, though, with an XG of 6.88. Like, it's really clearly not attackers that we should be focusing on, I think you'll agree with me, Nick. Like, they've only got two players who've had double figure, double figures for attempts on goal in the last eight. One of those being Joe Linton, who hasn't scored uh, since August, and the other is Alan San Maximan, who, in fairness, only played about half of those games. So, look, it's Al Marone is looking at the best, best of the bunch in terms of their attacking players. And then defensively, okay, sure, we associate this Newcastle team with picking up clean sheets, but it's it's two clean sheets and eight. They're third for shots in the box conceded since game week 20. They have 81. That's the same as Bournemouth and worse only than Aston Villa. And they're also the second worst for XG. So the quality of the chances they're conceding is pretty high. And they're helped only by being the second biggest XG overperformers defensively over the last X game, um, eight game weeks. Only Liverpool have been more fortunate than them at the back uh, in the last eight game weeks. So what are you thinking, Nick? Uh, yeah, I, I do look, look at Newcastle. They just, they're kind of like the amphibious road in the Premier League right now. You just look at their current form and you just think, I just, I just can't bring in a Newcastle player at all. I think we did cover them briefly on the, on last week's pod. Stag might have cut it because uh, we were so critical of them. But just like, um, yeah, I mean, the, the thing is, um, they, they got absolutely torn apart by Arsenal, didn't they? They, they failed to score against Crystal Palace. They also failed to score against um, New, um, Norwich, who they played three weeks ago. So, you know, their form going forward it is just abysmal um you know you look at those fixtures and actually start thinking mm, Burnley at home maybe maybe we should start looking at a Burnley player for that one you know like Neil Burnley defender Southampton away you know that's a good game for Ings so I, I don't know I do like the fixtures they are really good but I, I'm just not sure that a Newcastle player is really worth considering it feels like a, a, another Matt Target transfer in me when I look at that, even though we, we look at the price of the sales, 4.2. I think if you are wild carding, um, you have a guy like the sales on your bench, he can come on and do a job for you if you need, if need be, potentially. Yeah, that's the thing is that, like, if you think about the other teams that we've talked about as having good fixtures, the likes of Wolves and actually and Southampton, like, there's a player in every position that you know, has just as good of fixtures as those Newcastle players, but who's probably much better and probably has a way higher ceiling and a much lower or a much higher floor than those Newcastle players. Like defensively, you've got, let's say, Saiz um, from Wolves. Pretty good option there. He's about as cheap as every Newcastle defender. Midfield, like who you're going to bring in for Newcastle's midfield, it's Almiron probably. Even the Southampton midfielders that I'm extremely sceptical about, like Ward Prowse, are probably going to be better than Almiron over the next five. And then up top, like it doesn't even bear thinking about having Joel Linton in your side. So, so it's, um, 
it just doesn't seem like an option. And then uh, another side with good fixtures, perhaps, are Chelsea, uh, Bournemouth away, Everton home, Villa away, Manchester City at home, and West Ham away. Now, Nick, you wouldn't be picking Tammy or be it Olivier Giroud if he is the new starter ahead of the likes of Raul Jimenez, Danny Ings, or your man, Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Like, then what do you do? Like, are you looking at any of those Chelsea midfielders, the, the Mounts, the Williams, the Barclays of this world, by any chance? So, so yeah, actually, Chelsea's fixtures, it's worth highlighting, even after those first five, they've got Watford at home after that, Crystal Palace at home, Sheffield United at home, Norwich at home, right all the way into the end of the season. Apart from Liverpool um, in game week 37, they've just got great fixtures right until the end of the season. So I'm actually starting to think, you know what, Chelsea are a really good team to start um, considering and, and looking at, to be honest, right now. So I, I did have a look at Tammy Abraham, actually. I know um, Giroud um, started, that's mainly because Abraham's been injured. I think Abraham is that number one choice um, up front for... Um, is Abraham a bit of a Daniel Sturridge, though? Is he, why do you think that? Is he always feeling his ankle? I mean, he's had a few injuries this season, but he's only actually missed two games in totality. Um, so, mm-hmm, I think he's, he's, yeah. he's had a, you know, he has got a bit of a knock, and there's no doubt about that. He's, he's been feeling that ankle a little bit over the course of the season. But, you know, um, last season he was... Um, pretty consistent in terms of his form and um, the amount of minutes he's played in the championship and uh, it's only really this season he's he struggled a little bit so I mean that that is perhaps a concern to bring in a player who's just played 90 minutes in the last game didn't play at all in the game before but you know um, I gave a bit of a a bit of a deviation from FPL for a second but I I do think of an interview that Frank Lampard gave whilst he was still being managed by Jose Mourinho at Chelsea way 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 back probably over a decade ago at this point and he pulled off his shoe off the record and showed the journalist his foot and it was clearly completely mangled but he was expected to keep playing week in week out because that was what Jose expected of him and I, I do wonder with the way that Abraham maybe hasn't been given the rest he well not the rest just the chance to recover that he seems to have needed all year it just seems to be catching up like his explosive form at the start of the season his pace as well like if you if you look at him on the pitch he he doesn't move anywhere near as silkily as he was earlier in the season I'm actually like concerned that his injury is there like his his Euros place is suddenly seriously at risk as well like I wouldn't make him a shoe in for the England squad at all anymore given his form and I just wonder does does he just need a bit of time off uh, yeah, potentially. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I kind of look at it, him and think, you know, he is an option with those Chelsea fixtures. Potentially, I wouldn't be bringing him in necessarily. I, I, obviously, I've been talking about how Jimenez is my man in my transfer in, but I, I have to, I have to look at the options out there, and I think Abraham is amongst them in terms of the uh, potentials. I mean, yeah, he's, he's got 13 goals. I know he's a bit of an injury, but he's still, in terms of the underlying stats, he's fifth a goal in terms of the course of the season. He's pretty reasonably priced as well. He's not a premium option. And it's a nice way of covering a team like Chelsea, who, um, who yeah, who, uh, who've who got a couple of doubles potentially coming up as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I think they're definitely worth um, considering. But as I said earlier, the, the actual player I'm most interested in at Chelsea is um, the defender, Reese James at five point noughts. Um, so I actually had him all um, a long time ago. I was, I kind of had this game week as a time to start bringing a guy like James in because I just, because I knew the Chelsea shift in fixtures was coming up at this point. So I was thinking, you know, this could be the time to bring in a player like this who's sort of starting to emerge on the scene. Um, and he's, um, he's really showed his um, sort of creative edge, especially in like, he's had a run of tough fixtures like Leicester, Manchester United and Spurs. But in the, in the last um, sort of, 
He's only played five of the last six fixtures, but he's still um, created eight chances over that period of time, putting him eight um, amongst defenders for that period of time, chance every 54 minutes. He's had um, seven shots on target over that period as well, putting him fifth for, for defenders. I think I really like him as an option. He's a, he's, he seems to have a little bit of um, a trend kind of Trent style, I think, in terms of getting forwards, um, you know, creating lots of chances, potentially on set pieces as well, on corners. And um, I think he's, he, he might still be too early for him in terms of his career, but um, I, I think he would, I think he's a really good FPL um, punt and I'm, I'm really fancying uh, punting on him right now. Yeah, I have to say, Rhys James is a player I'd picked out as well. Like, no Chelsea defender has created more chances than him in the last eight game weeks as well. He's had nine in that period, so obviously he missed a few games. So the number isn't too different to the number Nick gave you. But there was just one big chance created in that time. Now, one thing, like, his crosses tend to be that kind of, like, loping high cross. And I think that Olivier Giroud coming in will really help that. And I think my interest in Rhys James will shoot through the roof if we can kind of see for sure that Olivier Giroud is going to start ahead of Tammy a little bit more. Of course, Marcus Alonso had a very good game week 27, but that was his first start in ages. And unfortunately, we just can't rely on that FPL legend. And then one player who's actually sneakily doing quite well is uh, Cesar Aspidiqueta. Uh 10 attempts in the last eight game weeks, two goals in that period. He's also had an assist. He's getting up there an awful lot more than he used to. He used to be kind of a kind of he'd find his way somehow to a few goals and a decent number of assists per season but you never really knew how if that makes sense Um, but he seems to be actually much more attacking than usual and maybe just to quickly touch on the Chelsea midfield as we completely skipped them I've kind of just written them all off with one-liners almost Mount he's look he's playing but he's out of form Willian he'll have the odd good game but he's never a good FPL option overall we've had nearly a decade of looking at him at this point and it's never been you know consistent uh, Barkley is quite interesting look he was game week 27 his annual big game to con FPL managers or a sign of things to come and this is the thing he's such a good FPL pick when he gets going but we haven't really seen that happen on a consistent basis for years he will have a few weeks in the side anyway with Kante out until at least game week 30 and then Cho Pulisic injured again sadly both been in my team this season both um, pretty much went straight off form the minute I brought them in and I'd love to have them for a good run of form but we shall see yeah, I think with Barkley, he always does this. He turns up for one game week, gets gets some returns, and all of a sudden he'll appear on the market forces. Everyone bringing in Barkley, and it and it goes wrong every single time. So Barkley's not really the the player that I'd be considering. I, I still like Mason Mount. I think um, six point one million again. He, he's another cheap way into that Chelsea midfield, um, and you know another cheap midfield option one we didn't mention earlier. But I think. Um, Mount would be the pick of the bunch of those Chelsea midfielders for me. Yeah, and then looking at another London team, Crystal Palace also have pretty decent fixtures. Brighton away, Watford home, Bournemouth away, Liverpool away, and then Burnley at home. So look, fixtures are good. And this Palace team, like they're a standard mid-table defence, like with a fairly mid-table team in front of it as well. Like they'll pick up a few clean sheets along the way in this run. But at the same time, it's not exactly the sort of side that you're going to be prioritising. Of course, Van Hanholter maybe uh, is probably the pick of that bunch. Uh, there are a few other defenders there that you might be interested in who are a little cheaper, but I don't know. It seems like a muchness of much to me. It's, it's just a pity, really, that Wilfred Zaha isn't at it this season. And unfortunately, it may well be too soon for Tosun. Uh, the, uh, got the pun in again. So, yeah, look, maybe the annual PV Armageddon is uh, coming to relegate teams, but like we can't really bet in it, and I think that's really as far as my thoughts go on Palace. Nick, do you have any? 
Um, yeah, so I think there's two players that you could potentially look at, really. Um, Van Hanholt in defence, 5.5 million. He is a goal-scoring defender, and we love goal-scoring defenders. He's, he's got three um, so far this season, uh, 22 goals over the past five seasons. So, you know, he always seems to top the attacking stats. Um, um, even when he plays for terrible teams like Sunderland, I think he was still the um, had most goal attempts of all defenders in that season, whenever that was, might be 15, 16 or something like that. So, um, you know, Palace, I think Van Hanholt's the man. If you fancy um, a bit of a punt there, he has a sort of a 15-pointer within him for sure. But um, he is quite expensive, to be honest, um, considering um, Palace. I mean, the fixtures are right, but, uh, you know, seven clean sheets over the course of the season as well, so they have nicked a few clean sheets. I think with Zaha, 6.8 million. I think he's just far too mercurial, um, to be honest. He's not shown that form last season. We got 10 goals and 11 assists, and he's had no goals since game 17. I actually looked at his sort of underlying stats as well, and in terms of goal attempts, he's way down there in the rankings. He's behind the likes of Almiron, behind the likes of... Uh, Hoiberg from Southampton and he's also behind the likes of Pulisic who's actually played 11 less fixtures than him this season so he's, he's getting the minutes but he's just not getting any chances at all I'm not really sure what's going on I think he's He's, he's wanted to move from this club for a long time and he's just consistently fouled as well whenever he plays against anyone. He just gets taken out several times. So, you know, I don't know about Zaha. I think he's probably too much of a risk for me. Yeah, the, the dude abides in our minds, but at the, at the end of the day, I think we're being tinted by the past on that. And then maybe one side who maybe we're also being tinted by the past with is uh, your side, Nick. Spurs. Wolves at home, Burnley away, Manchester United at home, West Ham at home, and Sheffield United away are their next five. But they were so uninspiring against Chelsea, I thought. Like, I don't really see any option in that team at the moment, and I think it's a matter of uh, waiting for Son to return, really. Nick? Yeah, I think so. So you can see that Mourinho's um, trying to get the team fired up. He shouted at the press saying this aggression will not stand, but it's just it's just not working at the moment. With Son and Kane out, this it's just too much of a huge blow for them, isn't it? Um, Deli Ali now seems to be out of favour um, too after some of his recent performances and reactions uh, to being substituted, and it means that they're reliant on the likes of Stephen uh, Bergwijn, who's only played three games, very new to the club, and Lucas Moura. I mean, seven point one million could he potentially be? a punt for someone you know as I said it's another option in in that front line I mean their fixtures are pretty okay-ish they're not you know they're not the best Wolves, Burnley, United, West Ham, Sheffield United they're, they're not the worst either but um, Moore has only got four goals to his name I, I don't know I don't think he's really a, a viable option I, I certainly wouldn't touch the defence right now as well they've only managed four clean sheets um, which is a joint worst uh, defensive record over the course of the season alongside Norwich Bournemouth and Aston Villa so um, really really poor defensively as well unfortunately um, Serge, you know, Serge Aurier didn't play the last game as well so there's no real options there sadly um, for Spurs so um, yeah depressingly I think we'll probably move on there yeah, no, I think that's absolutely fair enough. Like, I think Mourinho at this point is going to start talking about the Deli Ali's brother that he uh, first mentioned when he first moved to the club. I think that's the uh, the next logical position for him in press conference. He's already shaved his hair to try and deflect from what's going on on the pitch. So, Spurs, Spurs being Spurs. Uh, Nick, then briefly, something we touched on in the last podcast, but I think it's important to repeat it given that we kind of were kind of a bit later because of the tech gremlins getting that pod out, is just a strategy if you're not planning on free hitting in game week 31 or if you've actually used it for whatever reason earlier in the season. Now, we do have uh, the 
double game week and blank game week legend that is Ben Crellon coming onto the pod in a couple of weeks to discuss the full close season and all about those. But look, with everything to come, Nick, have you any thoughts on maybe things people should be considering? So, yeah, there's a few teams that we know are definitely going to be playing in in game week 31, and that's the likes of Wolves and Burnley. I think Wolves especially would be a team that you'd want to target. And we're going to talk about Wolves in a little bit, but if you don't have your free hit, you need need a setup. You need a good team set there playing in 31. So Wolves have um, Bournemouth at home that week, and that's definitely on. So perhaps consider... Uh, bringing in Wolves players with urgency. Um, otherwise, as I said, we know Bournemouth also are playing, but um, there's no real standout options there, to be honest. So it's, it's hard, especially with Chelsea and Liverpool up next, it's hard pressed to recommend a Bournemouth player. And, and Burnley are playing Watford at home. So, you know, make sure you've got a goalkeeper perhaps, um, or, you know, take a punt on someone like Charlie Taylor in defence or Dwight McNeil, who who got a decent return this game week as well, um, you know, as perhaps a, a little bit of um, a cheeky punt there. But Bernie's fixtures again, we haven't talked about them in detail because it's Newcastle, Spurs, Manchester City, and Watford. Um, so Spurs, Manchester City, really two two tough fixtures there. But I think um, those are the teams that you want to be focusing on targeting for thirty one. Um, otherwise, um, there's a chance that Norwich um, will be playing uh, because uh, Norwich Everton even because uh, Norwich need to beat Spurs in the cup. Um, in order, in order for that fixture to be cancelled, there's every chance, of course, that happens. But um, if that if it doesn't, then Norwich Everton is on. So you might be looking at some of those Everton assets, perhaps, even though they've got a tough fixture run. Your Richarlisons, your, your Calvert Lewins will definitely be on your radar. Um, otherwise, it'll be Spurs West Ham. So you know, potentially look at a Spurs play. I guess I don't know, but um, we won't know anything until the fourth of March, which is brought game week twenty nine. So at least for now, um, look at the teams are blanking in twenty eight. Um, and don't bring those guys in, obviously, and uh, start thinking about at least Wolves, uh, Wolves players for now, I think. Yeah, cheers, El Reno. I think with that, we'll round out that section and move on to our features after the break. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? And we're back, and we're going to look into our regular feature on the program, the Market Forces, where we look at the movers and shakers in the FPL transfer market this week ahead of the coming Blank Game Week 28. Nick, what's happening on the market? So uh, the most transferred in player right now is Bruno Fernandes. Fernandes. So the uh, the Man United fans are out in force. They've seen that he's got a goal and assist. Um, they're loving the new signing. They're transferring him in. Um, and yeah, he's had uh, 126,000 transfers in at time of recording. And um, of course, it's worth highlighting that he seems to be on penalties, which is, which is very exciting as well uh, for uh, potential owners. Um, and that is priced about $8 million. Um, I think he's actually had a price rise as well. So it's now um, 8.1. 8.2. Um, 8.2, sorry. He's, um, yeah, I mean, I, I do understand why he's uh, being brought in. Um, by plenty of managers who, who always like to see a new shiny thing like uh, Bernandes um, scoring and getting lots of goals. We've also got a question on him, so we'll talk about him a little bit later. But um, in terms of the players being transferred out, um, in terms of the midfielders, um, straight swaps, I guess, it's um, Grealish and De Bruyne and Son, most transferred out midfielders. No surprises there. Um, none of them will be playing in the next game week, so that's not a surprise. Um, but the most transferred out player, Currently is Aguero, another player who's um, not playing. 128,000 transfers out for him, but of course, as well, he missed a penalty. So lots of rage transfers out for, for him. And that's three blanks in a row. I think that's three blanks since I brought the guy in. So um, lots of frustrated owners um, selling him. Uh, but in terms of the forwards bringing in, it seems to be Aubameyang, 
or Vardy seem to be the uh, the primary picks of Bamiang. I don't know why people aren't looking at the fixtures at all there, are they? Considering he's got a blank, that's very, very strange one there. So he's the second most transcendent player right now, even though he's got a blank. I, I just, I can't really get my head around it. I know he scored two in the last game, but just look at the fixtures, guys, come on. Um, and then Jamie Vardy, it's a very, it's, it's not really a strange one because he's got the fixtures. He's just not got the form, has he? So it's a, it's a bit of an odd one there with the market in terms of the two most transcendent forwards for Aguero there. Yeah, no, the, the forwards of Aubameyang up top there is truly ludicrous. And then maybe looking at the midfielders that were kind of tailing in behind uh, Bernandes there, you've got a lot of the mid-price midfielders, maybe a bracket that we were talking about being a little bit written off last week, but players that we'd identified, one of which was Bernandes in fairness to us, but the others were James Madison, who's still relatively popular in spite of his poor form. Tony Martial, your man Nick, with uh, 48,000 transfers in. And just ahead of him is my menace, who continues to return, Richarlison, who had 8.2 million and over 50k transfers in, looks very popular in spite of everything that I've had to say against him. But I, I must say I'm cooling a little bit on that. Yeah, I think so. A few people have listened in and, and just thought that that's just your opinion, man, when, when you were going on about Richarlison. But I think if if you had another rant about him this week, they'd probably be shouting at the uh, the podcast, what well, in God's holy name are you blathering on about here, Stag? You know, like, uh, no, I wouldn't been... blame them, to be honest, Nick. Like, it, would be, it would be very hard to blame them because as I was saying to you off mic, like, it's getting towards old man shouts at cloud. But I will say that Everton are very tough fixtures coming up and I think DCL is the better pick of the two Everton players if you're to have them. Uh, Rounding out these market forces, by the way, looking at the defenders and goalkeepers. Uh, clean sheet for Burnley means that Pope is quite popular and the most popular of the goalkeeper transfers. Schmeichel tailing him as well, of course, after saving a penalty against City and still returning quite well. The Leicester defenders, as a consequence, are actually in amongst the most popular transfers in Sayonsu and Pereira second and third, respectively, with Saïs actually up top from Wolves so someone listening to us along the way and maybe the, you were talking about the United fans being out in force Harry Maguire is in there in the top four but to be honest with you very little market movement in the defensive transfers is 20k transfers is pretty much enough to get you right up top there in defensive moves whereas Bruno Fernandes brought in by 130,000 teams as of Monday evening Yep, and um, the most transferred out defender right now is is John Lundstrom um, with 80,000 transfers out. That's the second highest most transferred out player right now. Um, Sheffield United do have a blank, but um, he's also not been playing. And a lot of people brought him in after he came on and scored a goal, but after his nine-minute cameo this week, unfortunately, it seems like it's goodbye to for John, um, a hero of many from the early season. But uh, Seems like his time's up now. He's he's not um, starting and hasn't started a game since game week twenty three. So uh, we come. Jesus, you said it, man. Yeah, and I, I I guess we'll move on to my take, Stag's take, the uh, new feature which has been uh, prominence in uh, Tom's absence. And what I've been thinking about is Pierre and Aubameyang, who of course is blanking this coming game week. But I think it's a much more fundamental question about maybe how, especially the FPL community on Twitter and Reddit, kind of looks at players and how they assess players. And it, last week we, we touched on it in our pod uh, about people fearing that Aubameyang, who played quite far out in the wing against Newcastle, this is going to affect his chances. He, in spite of that, he'd had five shots or four shots and he'd had five touches in the box, which was slap bang on his average for the season. So there was nothing alarming about that. But whatever, he played against a five-man defence where people couldn't really think tactically. I said chill and I hope people did chill and keep him because he obviously did quite well last weekend. And then, of course, we come to the Everton game. 
he actually played even deeper against Everton and he played wider against Everton. So we're talking about, in every way, a worse position against Newcastle. And he only had two shots as well, of course, both of which came in the box and both of which found their way into the net. And he had only five touches in the box in total. So people really just need to consider how they're assessing their players. Are they actually looking at any sort of underlying stats or are they purely looking at goals? Now, of course, someone like Pierre Mikabamiang, I think even if his shot count is low, you can still trust him. This is a player who's scored, in spite of Arsenal's like poor form pretty much since he arrived at the club, 60 goals in 95 Premier League games for the club. So that, that's pretty impressive. But like this whole Arsenal attacking performance actually wasn't that strong and three goals maybe belies how good they actually were they only had 1.3 xg as a team Everton had 2.81 and remember like Arsenal were the home team in this game they also only had nine shots Everton had 17 and it's worth remembering as well where they're coming from um under Arteta they have been unbeaten I believe in 2020 but this is the first time they've had back-to-back wins in the Premier League since August so look as Arteta is happy to say they are a work in progress but I think Overall, people just need to consider why is it that they're actually interested in players and why is it they freak out about players playing on the wing when that necessarily isn't a bad thing. Aubameyang has thrived from there at Arsenal pretty much last all of last season and he continues to do so this season. Even when given barely a chance, he will find the net. Yeah, but it probably means he'll be classified as a midfielder next season as well, which will make him very more interesting uh, from an FPL standpoint, I'm sure, <laughs> next season as well. And as, as I said in the other pod as well, um, you know, Salah banged in 30 goals from this position. You know, it doesn't matter. doesn't matter. It's almost, you see almost more prolific players from the wing than playing as number nines these days just because of, um, you know, you get players like Firmino, who's, who's sort of more of a false number nine. And it's, it's the uh, wingers that are kind of um, creating and getting most of the goals. And, uh, you know, perhaps um, that's sort of Arteta's plan in long in the long run with players like uh, Niketia, perhaps, are playing a little bit deeper, allowing like Pepe and Aubameyang to, to get those chances from uh, from the wings. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, look, like post, I'm sorry to be focusing on a player that isn't even playing this game week, but post blank game week 28, Arsenal's fixtures are absolutely brilliant. It's West Ham at home, Brighton away, Southampton away, and then Norwich at home. That's captain material for four weeks in a row if you want to deviate from the, the classic Liverpool captaining. Like, I'll be pretty tempted anyway, given my rank, that's for sure. Cool. So um, that rounds up the features this week. We'll take a quick break and then we'll move on to the questions. We're going to do a very quick dad watch. We haven't done it in a while. Um, most of our listeners will have noticed just because, um, yeah, it's, it's not been great times for him, to be honest. It's been a little bit of a slip down the rankings, unfortunately. So he's been a little reticent for us to give um, too many updates on how it's been going for him. But yeah, he's just had a bit of bad luck, to be honest. Um, sort of persisting with the likes of Jamie Vardy through this blank period, for instance, not working out. They're like bringing in the likes of Adama Traore, who's been um, coming off the bench for one-pointers and um, the likes of John Lundstrom and Rico as well doing nothing in defence. Um, so, yeah, uh, not great times for Ian, but he did uh, mention he's uh, only one point behind you, Stag, at the moment. So, you know, at least uh, he's in good company down there in the, the doldrums of overall ranks. But, yeah, not, not quite the halcyon days of being up in that 2K rank for him right now. It was, it was another bad game week for him, unfortunately. He's, um, he's got 42 points this week. Um, as, as mentioned, the likes of Greedish and Traore and Lundstrom just doing absolutely nothing. Aguero missing a penalty as well. Just, just not, work, not really working out for him at the moment. But um, yeah, that rounds up our features and, and we'll take a break. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? 
So we're back and it's um, time to catch up with who got the assist mini league. If you want to join the league, um, still open. It's EIKX03. Now Stag has the league update and he, he's just um, said there's, there's plenty of changes there. So, so what's happened in the league there? Yes, we've actually got two uh, players ranked 10th now. That's Graham Wilshaw and Andreas Tangstrom, both at uh, 1,697 points and both of whom got in the kind of 60s to 70 point range. So pretty good going there between the two of them. In ninth, it's uh, Mudabdil Islam with Spartacus at 1,700 points. Eighth, it's Andres Dykos with uh, 1,705. In seventh, we have Manuel Jahiri with 1,707 with the COP 72 points this week for him. Sixth, it's Declan Ryan with Wesley Crusher's 1,708 points off 61 this week. Now we come to the real movement. Down to fifth from second is Johnny Briggs with Den Donkeys, 1,710 points, with just 43 points this week. He did have Mo Salah captain, but really he kind of does nothing else went quite right for him to be perfectly honest with he also had Trent Alexander-Arnold and then it's uh, an awful lot of fours four being his next best with Robertson and then it's all twos throughout his side so not much good then down from first is Mjolnir Islam with his well-named goal with 1,711 points only 47 points this week and a hit so 43 points for him as well Salah captain and Trent Alexander-Arnold he did have Jack Stevens and uh, around Jimenez but otherwise it's all ones and twos and threes for him now third up from fifth is Sean B with never forget 1714 points 65 points this week fair play to you Salah captain a few you know normal enough picks with Martial and Pope thrown in there to make things interesting Mark Bird up from fourth to second Alex McCarthy Trent Willie Bolly Bruno Fernandes, Salah captain, and Raul Jimenez sending him to 63 points and a pretty good week. And up top, up from third, is Luke Burgess with Lukewarm FC, 1,723 points, 64 po- points this week with a four-point hit. Salah captain in there, um, but really it was Ender Stevens' goal, Bruno Fernandes in that team as well, Raul Jimenez, and also... Andy Robertson delivering some points. So pretty good going there, guys. And a really interesting race to the top. Not much separating everybody, actually, after sudden kind of consolidation of the ranks, which is pretty interesting to see. Yeah, I find it particularly interesting, actually, that the, the guys at the top um, took that gamble, took that risk to bring in uh, Bruno Fernandes and, and definitely paid off for them right at the top and perhaps shows um, why they're doing so well this season and some of us aren't. But um, it's very, I find it very, very interesting. Perhaps um, we should start maybe with the Bruno question in that regard um, in our question section. And that was from Game Week 38. He asked us, is Bruno worth the hype? Now, now, what are your thoughts there on Bruno Fernandes? A, a bit like you guys in the early season with the pod, I don't really want to go digging into his stats all too much. Like, look, he is promisingly advanced and central and looks extremely positive on the ball. And to be honest, I think that's the thing that I'm really taking from his performances so far. So four chances created again at the weekend, one big chance created. That, that's great. Just three pen box touches. That's not much. But he did have three attempts, two of which were in the box. One was obviously, though, a penalty. So you've got a player there playing for a side that do get a lot of penalties, in fairness. That is Man United. 8.2 is a pretty good price with you know decent fixtures coming but nothing too good and like it's just hard to understand the transformative effect that a player like Bruno Fernandes can have on a club like it 
a lot of them, you know, the classic Man United propaganda has been that he's, you know, he's changed the dressing room, et cetera, et cetera. But he actually seems to have, like the, the impact has been huge. And it, for me though, Bruno, sure, worth the hype, but I still think that it's actually Tony Martial is the player that I'd want in there. It, look, it's unfortunate Martial isn't on penalties and that Bruno has that. But aside from that, I think that, you know, all roads did lead to the Frenchman ahead of Bruno for me. Yeah, see, I, I was the same actually there. So I kind of had the option between picking Martial and Bruno Fernandes this week. And, and I went for Martial and um, I still kind of, I still stand by that decision. Obviously, Martial um, got a goal as well. So I got some form of return from him, which is nice. And that's now three goals in three games in all competitions for Martial. Um, obviously, for Bruno Fernandes in the league, he's had two assists and a goal, which you know, brilliant um, start for his, his uh, United career. And, you know, in terms of, activity he's, he's joined top for goal attempts and um, over that period it's a very small data set that I'm looking at here and we try not to look at two small data sets because you know we can't read too much into it and I think that's indicative of the fact that it's joint top there with Richardson um, Armstrong Southampton um, who's another Southampton midfielder perhaps we should have talked about um, and Alan St Maximum so you know it's gonna still early days in his United career but the signs are very very positive that Perhaps they've actually um, really onto a winner here. Um, the fact that he's on penalties as well, something I didn't know uh, before I brought in Martial, could have potentially swayed my decision to bring in Bruno Fernandes over Martial if I knew that Bruno was on penalties. But, um, you know, I, I still stand by my decision ultimately. Um, I think Martial, in terms of his underlying stats over that period, just this very small data set. He's had six goal attempts compared to Fernandes' um, 10. But worth highlighting that uh, most of Bruno's shots have been from outside the box. Only two have been inside the box from his goal attempts. And one of those, obviously, is a penalty compared to Martial's five inside the box, which ultimately means that Martial is um, getting the better chances compared to sort of Bruno's long-distance um, attempts. And that's, that's ultimately because Martial is the centre-forward in the team, whilst Bruno's the midfielder. So Martial is playing more advanced than him. So... Um, kind of between the two, it's very much, you know, pick one of them, I guess. But, you know, Bruno's on penalties, but Martial is playing out of position. Like, I know it's a very nebulous thing to talk about with a striker, but the types of goals that Martial has been scoring recently as well, they've been fantastic. Okay, the header against Chelsea a few weeks back, the brilliant finish, uh, you know, with an awful lot of time to think, which isn't necessarily a good thing for a striker. First in the Europa League on Thursday, in Belgium, really, really good finish. Um, under you know, under pressure, he stole the ball and kind of ran in from halfway. Still under pressure, went and put it around the keeper. Lovely, and then like his goal at the weekend against Watford was actually staggering when you look at it. The amount of composure, you know, the thought, the chance really seemed to have gone. And he kind of pulled it back and then found a way to get past two defenders and Ben Foster, if I remember correctly. Like that's so promising. I think uh, for a player like him, who I think does really need the confidence he's showing an awful lot of confidence with those finishes and it's maybe the the difference between him and let's say Jamie Vardy in recent weeks is just that little bit of extra pizzazz just getting him over the line and maybe talking about a team whose fixtures certainly have pizzazz but you know we're still I don't think the jury is out I think we're both pretty convinced but is uh, Soman Hate Napker is asking about which Wolves players should we be targeting for the coming fixtures whilst good friend from the Slack James Querald is asking about what is the new Wolves triple up of choice so Nick this is something we obviously touched on in last week's pod but I think a lot of people are going to be wanting to know an awful lot more about it so I guess from an attacking point of view what do you think about Wolves and then we move on to Paul Harrison's question on defenders all right so yeah I think with, with Jota he, he is he's doing particularly well in um, the Europa League actually this season he's got six goals to his name in just just five appearances and yeah we didn't talk about him on the last pod 
probably because I can't pronounce his name. But um, at six point one million, I think he, he is a, he's another really really good punt there. I think, um, and yeah, he's suddenly discovering that form. But again, you know, he hasn't been playing week in week out, and that's that's why we didn't talk too much about him. I mean, why I prefer Jimenez as the option over Jota is just because he just feels to me like he is the epitome of consistency and you know that Norwich game is just another classic Jimenez um, point score isn't it point haul of five points it's just it's a, a solid hard working performance no he's not we're not talking about tearing up trees here you know but he got he got his five points he took him home he, he was happy and, and you, you can rely on him for that sort of um, you know average five pointer score I think with the midfielders, um, the fact that he's not starting uh, makes me very nervous to um, bring him in. Um, even though he's, he's been very, very good this season, it seems like he's just not quite uh, making that starting eleven. Unfortunately, because of the way that um, Nuno is, is setting up his team, um, he's, he's you know he's got his uh, wing backs and then he's got his um, centre forwards, so it doesn't really fit the team mould. And uh, Mutino, whilst he's an option, perhaps not really. Um, a solid FPO option there, um, so I think with the with the with the midfielders and forwards, Jimenez would be the option. But I think Jota represents, um, you know, a, a very decent punt. Yeah, and then Paul Harrison was looking more at the Wolves defenders and something we definitely identified in the last podcast as well. And his question was about size or Bali, and I'm going to expand that then to or do you just go for Doherty? Um, for me. Look, while Saiz is a little bit more advanced, sure, he just picks up so many cards. It's just such a bonus point killer that I think I'd rather get Bali if I was getting one of those two cheaper defenders. But just given how far forward uh, Darty gets, and again, we saw it again with another attacking return at the weekend for Wolves, I, I just think you just stretch to Darty for these good fixtures and just kind of enjoy the show. Um, there's a bit of a narrative developing about Darty that he's better when Traore isn't in the team. I don't I don't necessarily agree with that. Uh, maybe the points or the stats bear out something else, but I think he gets more advanced in a more central location and becomes more of a goal threat when Traore is there. And when Traore isn't there, he's just providing the crosses that he did last season and still gets onto that post the odd time for a shot. So I think a good player in either situation. Yeah, I think for me, the most exciting Wolves defender zone is um, Dottie. So if you, can, if you can afford him, um, bring him in, go for it, why not? I think I'm potentially going to have the funds to do it so I can afford a premium defender. So maybe I will go for Dottie or, or Pereira or Reese James. One of those guys I think will come in for me this, this week. Um, with my sort of Aguero team and his fans. But, um, you know, size is definitely an option. He seems to be getting some attacking returns, which is um, pretty decent. Um, he's got two goals and two assists um, to his name, even though he's, he's not particularly performing um, high on in terms of the underlying stats. He seems to be getting those chances and scoring. So, uh, potentially an option. I mean, in terms of size and, and bodies, you, you mentioned yellow cards there, but... You know, it, it, to me, it would probably just be down to saving a few pennies. That I would, if I wanted to save pennies, I'd be tempted by the cheaper option there, which is 0.3 million cheaper compared to compared to Bolly. But you know, because they're both central central defenders, you can pick one, and and the other one will never be scored the header. But um, yeah, I think uh, Dotti is probably the uh, the standout, at least in terms of the defenders. And I guess moving on to another question that we have from Rich P underscore FPL. And he's asking about whether you would consider bringing in someone who is definitely blanking in game week 28 or who is a huge risk of blanking in game week 31. Uh, it's a puzzling question for me, Nick. Do you have any thoughts on it? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I looked at the question and I just thought, you know, this, this isn't NARM, this, this is FPL, there are rules and, and the rules say that really you can't be bringing in um, a player when, he, when he's got a blank um, this, this game week. But it, it was kind of like looking at the market forces. We were just a bit shocked really to see so many people transferring in or Bamiyang. And especially when, when a player's not got a game this week, just don't, don't bring him in. Wait at least one week because, you know, there's all sorts of fixtures happening, European football and stuff happening as well. So it could easily get injured. So I, I wouldn't recommend bringing in a player that has a blank, though. I can certainly, you can certainly plan for it and, and think about, you know, the game week 31 blanks at the moment everyone's uh, potentially blanking in that week so if you don't have your free hit we talked about perhaps targeting Wolves because Wolves are definitely playing but you know um, if you're not overly fast you, you could potentially bring in a player that has a risk of a blank in 31 and, and try and take that gamble I guess yeah, like, look, whatever about bringing in a player who's definitely blanking in Game Week 28, like, you can probably, you know, make a transfer to set yourself up by freeing up budget, let's say, f- to bring in someone in Game Week 29. But at that point, why not just roll if you can? Uh, but I could totally see why you might downgrade someone who's, I don't know, uh, an expensive striker, let's say, Aguero, let's say, to a Ings or a Jimenez or a DCL, just because it'll free you up four or five million worth of funds, and you can use those then the next week. Fair enough, I can understand that. and uh, That does make sense, but Otherwise, um, I don't know what sort of transfers you'd be kind of considering doing to bring in a player who's actually blanking. I think set yourself up, sure, to get a player who's blanking now after, but not in advance. Uh, it was a puzzling one. And then with 31, it's just so far away from me as well. Like, I just, like Most of you are going to be free hitting anyway. Uh, I don't think it should be a material problem for you. And if you're not free hitting, like you've so little room to maneuver that like you're definitely not going to be bringing in somebody who's blanking for 28 and at that point there's a huge risk of blanking in 31 there are only a few clubs that are in the huge risk category like you should be able to get around it another question comes from Jarvo and he was asking about how best to recharge the season um, in his own words um, so should we be taking risks or an early wildcard so as a an early wildcarder who's now having to take risks because the benefit of the early wildcarder has worn out I think you need to be pretty much game to do both if you're going to try and bring it back so I'm at as we were talking about just north of 800k I'm going to need to take risks um, the wildcard will help you steal a march but as I've shown the momentum can disappear so with risks you just have to be the change you want to be I think after a while yeah I think um, you can certainly take risks to try and recharge the season I think it's important to to take those risks if you are finding that your team is just performing poorly um, week in week out so I certainly wouldn't um, advocate not taking those gambles taking those hits when necessary or even going for the early wild card um, you know I've looked at some of the guys for instance in a slack and the likes of Tom as well who's done um, an earlyish wild card and his team has been pretty, pretty much set to, um, you know to a point where he's been looking at burning transfers and things like that whilst I've been trying to sort out my team urgently um, with, with multiple hits and stuff like that so I can certainly see the advantage of taking the wild card or you know using your wild card now for instance to try and set yourself up for the for the close season I think from like me personally I'm probably just going to hang on to it a little bit longer but it does feel like um, that wild card is just waiting and waiting to be used and if I had used it a bit earlier I might have been able to use it to my advantage you get rid of some of these you know Edwards, like Rico and um, Target, that seem to be sinking out my team right now. Yeah, like totally. Just it all just makes sense to me. I can't but agree with you, really. And then a the next question comes from FPL Fells. He was asking about whether it was worth swapping out KDB again. Another KDB question for this run or getting him back 
um, after the Liverpool game. He's highlighted the fixture to us there. And Nicky S also asked the same question about Aguero, though, and whether we should be looking at selling him. Uh, Nick, City, KDB, out? So with with KDB, I'm probably going to be benching him. It's just, it's just not really. Uh, we kind of talked about midfielders. I know there's a few options out there like Fernandez and stuff, but I think KDB is the kind of player that you do want in your team. He's just been brilliant this season, hasn't he? Um, so I, I don't really want to be selling him, to be honest. Um, I think it depends on your setup, of course. But if you can get away with just benching him for this this week, then you, you get him back. And you know, you did highlight the fixtures, Man U. Uh, Burnley, Chelsea, Liverpool. It's a bit of a challenging run. Um, but Burnley at home, perhaps the, the nice fixture in that batch. But um, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I will be selling Aguero, so Aguero will go. But I think De Bruyne probably will just stay on on the bench. You know, I've got so much money from selling Aguero anyway. There's no one really that I want to bring in the midfield. You know, I've already got triple Liverpool. I could bring in your man Richardson, but it just it's just it's not really that exciting and I don't need the money so this this Richarlison aggression will not stand Nick seriously (laughs) but look realistically I I can see how setting Aguero might be the only way forward and I think a lot rides on the first leg against Real Madrid in the Champions League Uh, like a bad or imperfect result there may see him actually get rested in spite of the fact that you know it's a an important fixture for City to win in the league in 29. Uh, like, but at the end of the day, the Leicester win has really done an awful lot to cement second place for them. For what it, it's worth, we don't know how much it's worth to them with the um, impending Euro ban, but they have space for a few slip-ups, especially draws where maybe De Bruyne could be coming in to save a game on a cameo rather than having to control it for the full 90. Uh, Aguero to answer Nicky S's question I think is much more sellable he's low ownership there's much less risk there the fixtures aren't great anyway like at least KDB is kind of a manufacturing plant for almost every goal that he scores be that it's scoring it himself or assisting it whereas Aguero it's really only himself and if he score, if he gets an assist it's much more incidental by comparison to Aguero, to Kevin De Bruyne so that's kind of my thoughts on City and maybe a quick one Nick to round it out the Jim Salinas question about the best midfielder available for under 7.5 million. So, yeah, it is hard to say who the best midfielder is. I think if you asked me this question um, last week, I'd have pointed towards Harvey Barnes again um, as the best option out there. But the fact that he didn't start uh, does raise my concerns in regards to to him as an option. But I think, you know, just, just the players I wrote down, at least with Barnes, I put Throw down Madison as well, just because of certainty of starts again with those Leicester fixtures, but then he's not getting any attacking returns, so it's a bit rubbish. Um, I also wrote down Mason Mount. Um, so yeah, lots of, it, lots, of lots of really good form there in your options. Sim, sim, sim pickings, you know, <laughs> McNeil got a goal and assist. Perhaps he's on the radar. Yeah, you know, I really, I really am. I really am struggling to kind of, you know, pull out like really exciting midfielders under seven point five million. That's as partly why I've decided actually I could bench Greedish, just bring in a premium defender instead because there's plenty of exciting premium defenders out there and not too many exciting um, cheap mids. I don't know. As I said, Traore is another one we were hyping up last pod and he's not playing either. So uh, I, d- I don't know. You've got Todd Cantwell, cousin Todd, doing a job week in week out. It's, just, it's really oh, simple. Cousin it's, Todd. Oh, um, I, for me, I think it's it's going to still be a Damatriore. Um, maybe an option there is because Sacco, who you know looks or Saka even, who looks like he'll be playing a bit 
more as weeks go on. But it is really slim pickings, and I think I can see how I've ended up with a team with Isaac Hayden, Cantwell, and Decore in there because Oof. it's just like, but you just end up like there's that massive gap up to now eight and a bit million. But previously it was up towards nine million before you got to a really decent option, especially given my allergies for Richardson. So, yeah, I think if it, if it do, let's just let's just go bowling. I think. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, and maybe moving on to maybe that bowling and what pins we're going to be moving this game week. Transfers and captains, Nick. For me, I'm still tempted to roll. I I really am tempted to roll. If I do do anything, I have three point five million in the bank, and it'll be one of those aforementioned dross midfielders that'll be getting upgraded to somebody actually in that under seven point five category. So goodness knows who could end up coming in, but maybe I might do Lundstrom to Darty as well. Yeah, as as I said, I've already said it a few times on this pod. So just to repeat myself, I, I probably will be um, captaining Mo Salah for that what for the game. But uh, my transfers will be Aguero to Jimenez, and then I will be upgrading probably Matt's target, um, keeping Rico because he actually got a game and he might get a minute off the bench or something, um, and uh, bringing in a premium defender. Um, prob- it might it probably won't be the doc to be honest, just because it's, it's Spurs and he's probably not going to get a clean sheet in that game. Um, so optimistic. it might be optimistic, very optimistic there. Um, and it probably won't be Pereira because I've already got Swinsu, so it's it's likely to be um, Reese James actually. So it'll be interesting yeah. to see how that pans out for me. And my captain, I didn't say it, is likely to be Trent Alexander Arnold. I think, um, as I continue to try and just deviate to try and make some gains at somewhere. Maybe I might go even go for Van Dyke. It's actually sitting on Van Dyke at the moment. We shall see. Uh, I guess to round out the pod at this point, just to say who we are, we are who got the assist. You'll find us on Twitter at WGTA underscore FPL. You'll find Nick here at WGTA underscore Nick. You'll find me at FPL Stag. We have Instagram, as we mentioned at the start. That's WGTA.FPL. You can listen and subscribe to the podcast across the full podding spectrum, wherever you get this podcast. And if you want to join our mini league, you will be able to do so with the code EIKX03. There was no theme last week, uh, given the fact that it was a truncated pod, but there is a theme this week. Yeah, and if, and if you don't get the theme, obviously you're not a golfer. So um, we'll be back next week for a 100th special. Uh, really looking forward to this. And, and Tom will be back, um, as many listeners will be very pleased to hear. So um, thanks all for listening to this pod, and we hope this assists you. Slán Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's it Jota was um, one of the players we didn't mention. Is it, sorry, Stack, is it Jota or is it Jota? I get this wrong all the time. So, the I'm going to keep this in. So the don't, don't, Por- don't. <laughs> the Portuguese one is Jota, but the Spanish one who plays for Aston Villa is Jota. Jota. Yeah, Jota. <laughs> Jota. So Jota's fine. Sports Social Podcast Network.